You can now subscribe and save 20% with a Strava Craft Coffee subscription. Yeah, you'll save 20% every single time they send it to your door. And you can pick when they'll send it to your door, maybe every two, three, four, six, or even eight weeks. And you can choose how much you want them to send. So you never have to worry about going down to the store and getting your coffee or, you know, having to head to a coffee shop in between those days when you don't have coffee at home. Nope, Strava will send it right to your door and it'll be ready for you right when you need it. So check out Strava Craft Coffee and consider subscribing. And if you just want to try it once, you could, of course, use the DNVR 20 code to have it sent straight to your door. Or you can come down to the DNVR bar and try out some smooth, rich, tasty CBD-infused cold brew that we have on tap there. It's a big favorite among the DNVR staff at the office. So uh, check out Strava Craft Coffee today. DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. They'll put a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs stopped by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So check it out. Check it out at msudenver.edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer. My boys, we've moved on from the loss. It's on to Pittsburgh. We're not talking about yesterday, right? We're not? Uh, (laughs) It's the 24-hour rule, Zach. We're still in the 24 hours here. We have to talk about this. (laughs) I know, and there's, there's one thing to talk about with it. Boys, I woke up this morning. I said, it's time to wash it off. Water off a duck's back. Water under the bridge. I went on Twitter. I said, let's be positive, guys. I got like 150 responses of people being positive. I'm feeling great. And then I'm like, oh, okay, 1210, Vic Fangio press conference. Better log into this. And then I thought my ears were deceiving me. But uh, look, look, let me just start here. I commend Vic Fangio for admitting his mistake. Um, it, it takes a big man to do that. He didn't do it last night. He obviously watched it and saw the entire rest of the world saw, realized he should have called the timeout. He came out and admitted it. But the way in which he admitted it was an extremely, extremely damning confession from Vic Fangio, in my opinion. As he said, he was too focused on the next defensive call to realize he should have taken a timeout. Guys, this is really, really a damning confession it is Um, no doubt it is uh, (sighs) as i'm listening to it i'm thinking myself here we are in year two and vic's learned a lot about being a head coach but if you can't multitask enough 
to be able to focus on a, on a game management decision right then and there, and instead you're too focused on the play, then something needs to change in how things are structured, whether it's a game management person standing right next to him at all times that is yelling, hey, you take time out here. Or does he have to hand at least some defensive play calling reins to his defensive coordinator like a lot of, a lot of defensive coaches turned head coaches have? I mean, even Bill Belichick has only called defensive plays for, I believe, three years in his now 21 seasons as Patriots head coach, and he's a defensive wizard. Yeah, it's, th- th- this is more than just Vic Fangio. This is an organizational uh, drop and c- could potentially cost the Broncos a game by not having this. This is something that a lot of coaches have. A lot of coaches have a guy who's not a coach that helps the coach with this stuff specifically in these scenarios late in the game when your head coach is calling the offense, when your head coach is calling the defense, so they can't be focused on that. And Vic took all of the responsibility on himself, which, like you said, Ryan, uh, I I think is the right thing to do as the head coach and and don't put the blame off and take full responsibility. But this isn't just Vic Fangio's fault. Now, maybe, you know, it it comes out that Vic Fangio was offered this guy this sort of position, and he said, no, 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 I want it. Well, then it's entirely his fault. But Vic, Vic should be advocating to have this guy Because, Vic, you brought him here to call the defense, so he needs someone to help him. And let's just look back at Vic Fangio's career. What baffles me, didn't Vic Fangio have a huge role in managing the game clock when he was with Harbaugh in San Francisco? That was a big role of his, and he said he has, you know, all the coaches help him with that. Well, if everyone's helping you with that, kind of means no one's helping you, right? If you don't have a go-to man, so... He either needs to have a, you know, Pat or, or Mike Munchak be that guy who, who literally calls the timeouts or is standing next to Vic to call the timeout when, when the defense is on the field, or he needs to have someone in a booth uh, who's keeping track of that for him. I'll volunteer. Well, I won't volunteer. I'd want to be paid for it, but <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to take that on for him. I mean, the, the thing about game management is this is not something where you need an adv- advanced degree in playing football. You just have, you have to understand game flow and how to properly maximize maximize time to your benefit. I mean, you you can turn you know you, you've got a finite amount of seconds, but you can with proper use of timeouts, you can turn time into a little bit of an elastic quantity to buy yourself more when you really need it. And he he fumbled this. He fumbled this just like Melvin Gordon fumbled in the second quarter. Yeah, this is uh, just shockingly bad to me. Um, you know, it starts with the fact that I just don't understand how Vic Fangio didn't know to call timeout. Like, uh, there's, you know, 50 people in the DNVR bar. Every single person is screaming timeout. There's hundreds of tweets coming across the timeline by the second. Timeout, timeout, timeout. I, I'm, I don't think there was anyone I've heard. There hasn't, I've yet to see a person defend the fact that Vic Fangio didn't take a timeout. So I'm of the belief that he's the only person in the world that didn't think he needed to take a timeout there. And then on top of it, you, you say that all the coaches are supposed to help out. Well, now there's like a bystander effect that I, I, I think is happening where like one coach is thinking, oh, well, someone else is going to tell him. Like, or they're, you know, they don't want to interrupt his flow on the defensive play call. I, I don't know. But, you know, Mitch Tanney was here last year. This was his job. Now he's not. 
and now in the first game you screw something up like was this like a Todd Davis thing where you're just trying to save a few bucks here and there I don't I don't I can't understand it. I can't comprehend it but something needs to change today um, and I don't at all think it is Vic Fangio delegating some of the play calling duties. That is what he's here to do. He's here to call great defense. So that's fine. You have Pat Shermer, who's been a head coach. You have Mike Munchek, who's been a head coach. Figure out which one of them you like better doing this job and hand it over to them. Bar none. No one is questioning this. It's their job to do. And, uh, and I'll feel a lot better about this. But this whole like clock management by committee thing is not going to fly. No, because it didn't fly, and you can't be losing games like this. You know, if your quarterback throws a, a costly pick at the end of a game, that's going to happen in the NFL. It's going to happen to every single team, to every single quarterback at some point throughout their career, if they're good enough to, to be to that stage. But this this truly is inexcusable. Now, maybe, you know, the Broncos get the ball back with a minute, and they don't score, and they still lose the game. But – I'll take that situation with the Broncos having over a minute left, no timeouts because you use them all to have your minute left. And all you need is Brandon McManus to get within what? 65 yards. I mean, Vic said uh, today that he considered kicking a 75 yarder. He considered it so much that he asked Tom McMahon and they both agreed that was probably too far for Brandon McManus. So if you would have had 40 seconds, uh, I read Tom McMahon's lips on that play, and I'm 99% sure he said 70. He, he said 70 is the, the max distance. We've mm. seen him hit from 70 in practice. Yeah. Yep. Not yep. this year, but in previous years in camp. So, in theory, 70 is, is, is worth a shot. At least you have a better shot than a Hail Mary or whatever it, the heck it was that the Broncos called there, although it was, a, it was an interesting call also by the Titans. Uh, they sent the house on that sort of play in a way that you never see. And so if you have the ball with one minute left and no timeouts, it, you're, you're going to be able to get five more yards, ten more yards than what you were able to do with 17 seconds left. It, it, it's inexcusable it is what it comes down to, and Vic knows it. Vic looked beaten down today because he knows that either, you know, him not thinking to call timeout or him not hiring this person to call timeout or him after so many months of an offseason not having this structure in place to where he doesn't have Mike Munchak telling him to call a timeout and have that steps in order very well could have lost them uh, uh, the game last night. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I mean, do you guys have any other solutions other than just pick one of these coaches or, or, I mean, I'm sure there's someone, uh, Is Mitch Tanny have a new job? Like, do you bring him back? What is the solution in your mind? Uh, the solution is either you have a coach do that. And I'm not sure it could even be say a Mike Munchak because of all he's got with the offensive line. I think line, I think you need somebody who is kind of like Mitch Tanny was doing the analytics, by the way, according to LinkedIn, Mitch Tanny is now the vice president of uh, strategy and operations for telemetry sports and apparently still in the Denver area. Bring him back on Sundays, you know, yeah. j j just have, I guess, Monday nights as well. Just have yeah. him be there um, for this. But yeah. Yeah. The other solution is that Vic gives up play calling, but you, but you know what, like you said, you didn't hire Vic Fangio to not call your defenses. And 
this is going in the way back machine, but Wade Phillips, one of the reasons why he failed as a head coach in the 1990s was, you know, he's a defensive wizard and he handed the defensive play calling to Charlie Waters. And Charlie's really good guy was a really good position coach while he was here, but defensive coordinator was too much for him. Mace, will you send Mitch Tanney a LinkedIn message and see if he wants to join us on the podcast? <laughs> I should. That's actually not a bad idea. Although I'm I imagine, 100% he, serious. yeah, he may not want to, you know, bash his former employer too much. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I would just want to hear like what his thoughts are on just what happened. Yeah, his his, his thoughts would have been you call a timeout. <laughs> I mean, what, what what more is there? It's like you said, Ren. I don't know anyone that that has defended Vic Fangio, and now Vic Fangio isn't even defending himself. And, and guys, just just to be clear, what Vic said, he said he would have called a timeout after Derrick Henry got a ran for thirteen yards, and there was a minute thirty on the clock. So that would have set up, uh, it, let's say the Broncos stopped him like they did after that. That would have set up the Broncos getting the ball back with about a minute left and down two. That's what the Broncos would have been looking at if the rest would have followed uh, as suit with, with the way it did. Yeah, well, that, that failure alone, based on when Derrick Henry's run stopped and when the Titans started their, ne- their next play, 37 seconds. Yep. Yep. In, in, in total, they lost about, you know, roughly just under 79 seconds within those final two minutes. Now, I mean, they, the Titans would have, you know, run, would have used some clock running the plays that they did, but realistically you, instead of the Broncos got the ball with 17 seconds left. Realistically, you would have expected them to have about a minute and two. And that would have been easy if with quick call with quick calls of timeouts after Henry's run. And then after the first down, because remember he went out of bounds on the second down and then it was incomplete on the third down. I mean, that, they, they kind of got bailed out a little bit. Yeah, they did. And it just, you, you, you win that game. I think you win that game. Um, nothing is for sure. Obviously they could have just gotten first down and run the clock all the way out to where they wanted it to and but the result would have been the same and and one thing that I don't think has been mentioned yet is Vic said something along the lines last night as he didn't want to give them more opportunities to get closer yeah. well I think he would have given them less I think that they would have had less of an opportunity to get closer because the defense would have been rested a little bit they were gassed if you watch that 13 yard run by Derrick Henry it was his easiest run of the night because the Broncos defense was just was gas there on their heels. And I think it might've actually been his longest run of the night. So uh, that one, I, I just feel like the, that taking a time out there would have given the defense a better, even a better chance at getting a stop there and forcing the field goal. You're right. It was his longest run of the night. A modest 13 yards. I mean, he had the quietest hundred yard game that you can possibly imagine. And the thing about that was it was that drive atop a second half in which the defense had already allowed a 14-play drive and a 15-play drive. And then to their credit, they got the two three and outs in the fourth quarter. But at some point, you have the accumulation of those long drives, especially when the Broncos only had one series in the second half that was longer than five plays. The defense wasn't getting the chances to rest that it needed. And 
unfortunately, it, it caught up. It all caught up to them. The timeouts could have at least given the opportunity for a momentary reset, a momentary ca- chance to catch your breath. In addition well, to the obvious benefit on the clock. Well, and guys, th- this isn't something that is a last-minute p- preparation thing that Vic Fangio needs to be thinking on his feet. This is how the Titans play games. This is how they want to win games. They want to pound the ball with Derrick Henry 30-plus times, which they did 31 times, and wear good defenses out. And what did the Tennessee Titans do? They wore the Broncos out. They did not get away from the run despite averaging three yards per carry with Derrick Henry for some of the game. They stuck with it. And so Vic should have known going into the game, look, if I need to call a timeout on the Titans' final drive when they're driving down – then I need to do that, even if it means one less timeout uh, than for, for my offense. And that's not even considering the rest of the clock stuff. But so just, just for so many reasons, you got to be thinking that heading into the game because Derrick Henry's not going to get tired. We, we've seen that, uh, that this past year. He's not going to get worn down. It was clear your defense was. That's exactly what Tennessee wanted to do. And that was something that the Broncos should have been considering before the game even started. So, yeah, now it's up to, uh, to Vic Fangio to figure out the solution here. Um, and, I'm, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's clear that I'm already disappointed that it came to this. But I'm going to be very disappointed uh, if we ask Vic Fangio later this week if they have any changes to their clock management protocols, and, and he says no. Um, this is, you know, everyone said – a lot of people in my mentions are saying, this will be a learning experience for Vic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. To me, he's just – He's just told us that he is not capable of doing both things at the same time. So it's not just a learning experience if you just go back and start doing it again. I'll I'll write it off as a learning experience if they change this and give themselves a better chance to win games down the road. I agree. And so, Ryan, you said, what would we do if we were Vic Fangio? Mace answered, I – Here's, here's what I think is realistic. Would it be great to bring Mitch Tanny back, especially because he's in the Denver area? Yeah, but that's not realistic because he was here last year, and clearly Vic, John, whoever, didn't like him because they didn't want him back. So that's not a realistic option in my mind. For this game against the Steelers, something has to change, and you're probably not bringing in an outside guy. So I'm making sure, at least for this week, that one of my coaches that I trust a ton. Heck, maybe it's Ed Donato. You're calling the defense. You don't really need him to call the defense. Now, when you're on defense, you probably do want Ed watching and not focusing on the game. So maybe it's Mike Munchak. Someone needs to be the clock management guy when the Broncos are on defense. And if Vic wants that responsibility when the Broncos are on offense, then he can absolutely have that. But there needs to be two guys making the decisions. One of them, likely Vic, when the Broncos are on offense. And the other one, someone else that's right next to him because you can't afford another you can't afford one of these losses and the Broncos already have one you certainly can't afford two for me uh I know you said Mike Munchak has a lot on his plate with the offensive line but not as quite as much as Pat Shermer who's the other you know qualified head coach so I think that you you have Mike Munchak um, be offensive line slash clock management. Uh, I think he's a smart guy who's capable of, uh, of taking those reins. I'd rather see somebody whose entire job is focused well, on okay. game management. And, and, it, they're into, and thus, that's the person that you're trusting on this to, to try to maximize, to try to maximize se- seconds, whether it's on offense or defense. But then it, because I feel like we're, we're discussing failures in this 
every year we discuss, you know, you go back to, to Vance Joseph, for example, and you look at the game management at the end of that Texans game deciding, oh, you know what? 50-yard field goal for Brandon McManus. We're good. We don't need to move the ball anymore or against Cleveland. Okay, let's, you know, let's, let's, let's dawdle here at, at, at midfield. Let's take, up, let's take our time. I mean, it's, it, these things just keep happening, happening over and over, and I'd say maybe talk about organizationally. The Broncos need some kind of new approach, some kind of different approach here because yeah, what I'm, they've done isn't working. But Mason, if, hi- what, if hiring what, a new person is an option, uh, I'll take yeah. that. But I just don't know if they're going to bring someone in to manage the clock uh, just – off the streets come in and trust them right away yeah, i mean probably, yeah i i don't hear but i'm just saying that right. you need to think outside the box on this i mean because what you what you've been trying here hasn't worked yeah i just don't think it's realistic for them to bring someone in from outside and and have vic trust him with that because that's a huge trust thing so whoever it is vic needs to trust and i just don't think they're going to bring someone out and in five days have vic uh trust him to to call that for him or honestly and maybe Vic Fangio can handle this when the offense is on is on the field. Um, but maybe, you know, you have two guys. Um, when the defense is on the field, it's Pat Shermer who is in charge of, of helping Vic with clock management. When the offense is on the field, maybe it's Ed Donatel. Maybe it's Mike Munchak. I don't know. But, but you know, just come up with a plan other than, yeah, all the coaches help. Uh, none of the coaches helped last night. And – or if they did, Vic – Vic didn't listen to him and the, the entire premise uh, was faulty in the first place. So uh, a lot of teams do their special teams coordinator. So maybe uh, Tom McMahon can take on that role. Just, you know, it doesn't have to be tomorrow, but some point this week, uh, if no one else does, I'll ask Vic Fangio. And I, I, I really hope to hear that they have a plan. Well, that question will be asked. That question will be asked. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> uh, do you think there will be? This is the last yes. thing I'll ask on this. Yes, I think there has to be. Now we may not we may not be told what it is, but there there has to be something done. And I think there will be guys, Vic Fangio, and I may be the only person that felt this. I felt bad for him because he knew he messed up. He knew he potentially lost the Broncos the game and he seemed beaten down. I don't think he's going to say, I want that feeling again. And you know what? He understands the mistake was made, so I think he's going to change it. Okay. One more thing on Vic Fangio, because this – I honestly didn't think about this um, while we were talking on the show last night. And as I got home and couldn't really get to sleep until, you know, the, the late 2 o'clock, 3 o'clock hour, uh, I wondered to myself – what are the chances that Vic Fangio doesn't make it through this season as the Broncos head coach? And, and what would have to happen in your guys' mind for him to be on the hot seat? Yikes. Hot seat this season or after this season? Hot seat this season, meaning there is a chance that if things go south from here, he's not the coach at the end of the season. It has to be catastrophic like 2010. Okay. Where, where it's not just that you're losing, but there's – in the case of Josh McDaniels that year, you had the videotaping scandal at the 49ers practice in London, and you had literally the worst home loss that the team had suffered since the 1960s when they lost 59-14 to the Raiders that year. It's got to be completely out of hand to where you're talking about something 
in season. So like I, I'd say two and ten after twelve games. Something yeah, really bad like that. Yeah, they've got to be on pace to go four and twelve or worse, uh, with the with a lot of health on the team too. And the mm-hmm. defense doesn't look good because let's you know, I'm touching wood. If if Drew Locke and the offense, if they get hurt and they don't look good, and even if they're four and twelve, uh, I still think Vic at least makes mm-hmm. it through this season. Uh, if the defense is looking good, but if, if the defense is bad and the team is terrible, I mean, I agree with Mace. It has to be so bad for him not to make it through this year. And, and frankly, but, but I don't you think say it not gets... make it through this year. Do you mean also make it to next year? I think Vic is going to get the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. a, a lot. So maybe if they go for, if, if they go four and 12, I could see him being out, man, the way the injuries are right now, I think he's back at, five and 11, which is just so tough to say. Yeah. Now, I mean, I think the only way they're going even five and 11 is if you end up having an injury to Drew Locke, that really just causes things to cream out of control on the offensive side. I think four and 12 is the, is the only way you're talking about a change. I think if it's five and 11, six and 10, seven and nine, you are talking about his seat being extremely warm going into 2021, but it would take it would take a, a season that could arguably be the worst for the Broncos since the 1960s to where you're talking about what you're saying, Ryan. I'll start this by saying that I really hope the Broncos don't fire Vic Fangio. Honestly, regardless uh, of what happens now, again, you know, if it's catastrophic, um, then think something's got to change. But I just – I don't think it's the best thing for the Broncos, no matter what, to start over again, um, especially for Drew Locke. Like, at least give Drew Locke two years with the same offensive coordinator just one time, for the love of God. Um, but the thing is, though – yeah. well, but, but also, <laughs> if they go 6-10 and 10 or 7-9, and nine, it may not be Vic Fangio, but someone's going to be on the hot seat if they miss the playoffs for a fifth consecutive year and finish below 500 for a fourth consecutive year. That being said, it's week one. I know we're oh, yeah, all yeah, yeah. frustrated. Let's just, I, I, well, and that's I what, this discussion is making me a little bit, uh, give me the willies a little bit here. I feel like it's way too early to think about this. I, and that's actually why I was uh, interested that you guys both went to a record thing. Um, to me, it's not about the record. Uh, to me, Vic Fangio has to start being a, a part of the solution and not the problem when it comes to winning and losing football games. Uh, and it's not the first time that he's had a issue being the head coach uh, and not the defensive coordinator. And it's, and, and it's been a part of the problem with the Broncos losing a football game. So I don't know. I mean, this, I think it was, I saw somewhere this is the fourth time the Broncos have had a lead with 30 seconds left in the game and lost under Vic Fangio. Um, now, not all of those were his fault, but I just think that if it continues to happen, something like last night where we're saying the next day Vic Fangio did not help the team win and he was a part of the team, uh, part of the reason why the team lost, I think that it's going to, it's, it's going to become more problematic and, you know, obviously, if the record looks good at the end of the year, it doesn't matter. But if the record looks bad at the end of the year and Vic Fangio was a, was a contributor in in men, multiple losses in ways like last night, I think he could be in trouble. 
Well, it's funny you mentioned those late losses. And, of course, it was the Bears game, the Jaguars game, um, the, Col- the Colts game, and now this one. And then you can look at a, at a game like the Charger game at home last year that the Broncos win, but the Chargers drive to tie the game. And the Raiders game in Week 17 where the Raiders drive downfield late, and if not for Shelby Harris getting his hand up, the Broncos lose that one at the end. There's no doubt that the Broncos have a good defense, but it keeps letting down late. Yeah, I thought about that uh, a lot, you know, because back in obviously 2015 is an anomaly, but even 2016, um, you felt like if the ball, if it comes down to the defense, you feel really good. And last night as the Titans got the ball, I just, I didn't feel great. Uh, I I didn't think they were going to get it done. Uh, And it does feel like Vic Fangio is having trouble pressing the right buttons on those final drives because they're not getting the the big sack or the turnover. It's just not happening. Well, and here's the big, big, big concern that I have with the defense. One sack, zero turnovers. Now, Ojemudia could have had the pick. Justin Simmons' ball went off his hand. They they were close, but guys, what happened the first four weeks of last season that, that was a big contributor to the 0-4 start? Barely any sacks, no turnovers. That You, you can't do that. This defense it, it, it has too much to not do that, and I understand they don't have Von Miller, so I'm not holding them to an elite status, but if, if they want to be a top-10 defense, you got to get sacks. You got to create turnovers. Bradley Chubb played a lot last night. I believe 70% of the defensive snaps, he wasn't. Uh, he, he was a pretty much non factor in the second half. I would handle him differently, but because this defense has to be a force at the end of a game. Yep, mm-hmm. absolutely. Oh, man. Well, I mean, again. I don't think I don't think Vic Fangio is going to be on the hot seat, and I don't think he should yeah. be because I think the Broncos need to at least give continuity a chance. Uh, but got to start being, you know, uh, someone who we're talking about deserving a helmet sticker after a win rather than someone who deserves blame after a loss. All right. Well, I'm sure we're gonna have plenty more to talk about when we get into the questions from the listeners but first a shout out to Breckenridge Brewery uh I don't know if you guys have seen the new Broncos beer but my goodness it is a thing of beauty I've actually I still haven't gotten my hands on one uh so I can't wait to try it but everyone who has has said it's fantastic and everyone can agree that the packaging is worthy worthy of going into a frame so make sure you check out Breckenridge Brewery maybe you come down maybe you're coming down to the DNVR bar tonight for game seven of Nuggets Clippers, it's going to be crazy in there. Uh, we are sold out, so if you haven't already RSVP'd, maybe, uh, maybe you can come for game one of the Lakers series. But uh, no matter what, enjoy yourself Breck Brew during the game tonight. Uh, it's, it's damn good beers. Man, and how sweet is it that football is back? I know we're talking about a loss, but it is so awesome that the Broncos are back and football's on the field. And that's just week one, guys. We got 16 more of these weeks, and there's no better place to get in on all of the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. And they're adding to the excitement of more football coming back by bringing a can't-miss offer. 
DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new users the chance to turn $1 into $100 when they bet on any team. That's right. You can place a $1 bet on any team, and if that team wins, you get a Benjamin. How can you pass that up? So go to DraftKings Sportsbook, head to the app, download it right now, and sign up. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable, and you can withdraw your, your funds at any time. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get this can't-miss offer. Pick any team during week two, bet $1 on them, and you'll win $100 if they win. That's $1 to win $100 when you use the promo code DNVR during sign-up. For a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. All right, guys. Let's jump into the questions from the listeners. Who wants to take the first one? First one coming in from Dan Burke. Calvin Anderson, quiet emoji. Hey, guys, I know you are, go- are going to have a lot of anti-Vic and Shermer comments, so I'll focus on some things I like. I really liked what I saw from Ojemudia, aside from that penalty, and Bassey held his own. The offensive line allowed some pressure, but it was an admirable effort against a good defensive front and no Bulls penalties. Also, and I know it's just the first game, but some potential smart personnel decisions signing Sam Martin, extending Brandon McManus, especially after seeing Guskowski today, replacing Todd Davis with Josie and saving $4.5 million in cap space in the process. And right now it's looking smart to not have paid Justin Simmons the big bucks. I love Justin and he may rebound, but that wasn't a $15 million per year safety out there today. Yeah, that's the wor- I'd say that's the worst game that Justin hit Simmons has had in quite some time. And, uh, you know, not a great game for Kareem Jackson either, although he, he did make some plays. But y- you're expecting the safeties to help carry this team. That's what oh, yeah. they're paid to do. I mean, even though Justin didn't get the long-term contract, he is playing on the franchise tender. That's the – I mean, that, that I believe is the costliest uh, duo on the team right now in terms of cap expenditure for a position. So you've got to – They're also the highest-paid right. safety group in the league. It's just yeah. fair to expect them to be the best. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to, you know – I think I'm probably going to sound like uh, like like you here a little bit, Zach. But you're paying for better than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You are. Exactly. You are absolutely we- a weird game from Justin. Just not involved. Yeah, hardly at all. One thing that was interesting, Dan mentions no bowls penalties on Twitter. Uh, Joseph Mahoney, who does some stuff with a Mile High Report, noted that last year in Week One, 64 offensive holding penalties called league wide. Yeah, this this weekend, fifteen. I don't think that line play changed that much. I wonder if, with no preseason, no to OTAs, the expectation of things looking raw, there was an edict from three forty five Park Avenue to swallow the whistle on some things this weekend. Except At least on that, except for offensive pass interference. Yeah. Which, <laughs> Like, if that's what we're doing this year, uh, it's going to be a tough watch. Yeah. Um, I, love, I love a lack of holding calls because I'm of the belief that holding happens on damn near every play, uh, and it's just completely subjective as to when the referees decide they want to call it or not. So the less they call that, the better. But if let's not do the offensive pass interference thing all year. Let these guys jockey for position. 
Um, taking t- taking late touchdowns and big plays off the board does not make the experience of watching any more enjoyable. Garrett Bowles, the highest-graded offensive lineman for the Broncos last night, according to Pro Football Focus. What did he have? He had a 72, I believe. Dalton was behind him at 68. I mean, it wasn't a bad game, but at the same time, he also allowed pressure that led to an incompletion. So it wasn't uh, all smiles and sunshine for 72. Yeah. Yeah, he had one one negative play that I noticed uh, on first watch. Um, And I thought he was – I thought he had a great game. Lloyd Cushenberry also, great game. Um, Dalton Reisner, pretty darn good game. Uh, Graham Glasgow, good game. So that's the good news from PFF. The bad news from PFF is uh, TJ Watt had the best (laughs) defensive performance of any player this past week and uh, now going up against Elijah. The Broncos are going to have to have a damn good game plan to beat the Steelers. That's what what I think is maybe going to be more important than anything. Um, They're going to have to go figure out ways to solve that defense not just think that they can run their offense into it because it won't work. Yeah, Saquon Barkley can't run into the Steelers' defense, so you're going to have to do something creative. And your offense was working when you were creative last night. And then you said, bye-bye creativity, and the offense said, bye-bye productivity. I'm already lamenting the fact that we just aren't going to see, like, creative Philip Lindsay formations. Yeah. Oh, they they both started – <laughs> oh no no i'm saying because uh, yeah. phil's hurt oh yeah i know but i mean there's there's a possibility down the down the line i mean obviously in the short term you're concerned about phil but i like the notion of, of getting them both on the field i hope we see more of it i I've, even before before phil got hurt i wanted to see some more of the two of them together i loved it yeah uh, i was looking you know just thinking about like uh when phil lined up uh, at fullback like you could run it like you're running a stretch but then have him come back the other way and hand it off to him that way there's just so many options of things you can do uh with two pro bowl running backs on the field at the same time all right next question coming in from kirk smith 44 quote coming live from the dnvr bar it's rk mason zach with reasons for optimism following an early season loss hmm i must be listening to a pod from 2019 let me check. Nope, same story, different year. There are many reasons for optimism between Drew Locke's control of the offense, Judy's route running despite the drops, fans leap, and the offense did their job. However, no matter how much optimism, optimism there is, would only be optimism with Vic Fangio always being clueless at the end of close games. On the broadcast, you could see Vrabel looking baffled after Vic didn't take the timeout on the first down play. Tannehill was laughing at the line of scrimmage. The Broncos' sideline was throwing their hands up, wondering why Vic isn't calling timeouts. Vic is a defensive coordinator waiting for the head coach to make calls. Maybe he needs to remember he's the head coach. Call timeouts. Tell Sherman to relay to Drew that you can snap the ball with less than 18 seconds left and trying to run the clock at the end of the game. If this was a team like the Cowboys, the talking heads would be calling for Vic's job. This was Vance Joseph. If this was Vance Joseph in his second year, we would be losing our minds. Uh, maybe an old dog can't loon, learn new tricks and an old coach can't shake bad habits. First well, of all, we, yeah, we, we are losing our minds, all right? Not, <laughs> no, we're, we're not. I think we're pretty rational. No, I'm just I saying, like, he said, if it, he said yeah. if it was Vic, Vic Finch or if it was Vance Joseph, we'd be oh. losing our minds. Like, I don't think we would have been any more critical of it. I, I don't think I can be more critical uh, of yeah. what Vic Fangio did there than I already was. I think the other thing, and it hit me just talking – 
Kirk talking about Vrabel looking baffled. Mike Vrabel is, as in terms of game management, is Belichickian. And in fact, in the wild card round last January, he out Belichick Belichick. Mm-hmm. So you basically have two coaches here who unfortunately, in terms of game management and their skill, at least last night, were at polar opposites. The Titans, they, they drill this sort of thing. They, 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 they practice for these sorts of contingencies. They look for every advantage they can get. The Broncos look a little bit behind, a little bit sluggish there. Actually, more than a little bit, really. I'm just being euphemistic there. Uh, quickly, Mike Garafolo reporting that it was a dislocated shoulder for A.J. Boyer. Uh, tests coming, and the hope is that it's not bad and he won't miss much time. We'll find out with, the, with all those tests coming in and, and he, see. Yeah, I mean, I think that, uh, to go back, a dislocated shoulder is something that Champ Bailey played with throughout 2005 and had a brilliant season. So it's going to require some pain tolerance, and Champ had to play with a harness. But if it's not too severe, it is doable for A.J. Boye to get back pretty quickly. Yep. All right, from Nick Scott. Oh, my. So a few takeaways. Number one, Justin Simmons played nowhere near to a $15 million safety. Can't disagree. Couldn't even hang with Corey Davis. Number two, Judy had a couple of killer drops. But he'll be fine. Just some jitters, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, the only the biggest worry I have with Jerry Judy is that you know, in the year 2040, when they're inducting him into the Hall of Fame, oh uh, Broncos <laughs> fans are still whining about the drops that he had uh, throughout his career. He's going to have drops here and there. It's part of it, what he's got going on. But you're going to have to live with those for all of the incredible plays that he's going to make throughout his career. Especially uh, as a rookie. Yeah. Number three for Pat. Number four, Bradley Chubb was non-existent. Eh, I wouldn't go that far. Uh, I thought that he had a couple nice pressures, um, almost had a sack. Early um, in the game. Early in the game, yep. Um, so non-existent I don't think is fair, but I think uh, he looked like a guy who is struggling a little bit to come back from an injury that just kind of flared up on him. And the other thing is he's going to see a lot of double teams. Yeah. He's going to face the Von Miller double team, so he's going to have to adapt to that. I thought it was interesting that they flipped him over to Von's side. Uh late in the game and for a lot of the game yeah matchup thing yeah for sure uh number five we have to blister something to get pressure on quarterbacks because we're 10 to 12 yards off the receivers snap on every single play this is why we can't stop a dink and dunk game and i'm sick of it um i thought actually they generated pressure well when it wasn't play action uh, the play action had them on their heels, which that's the point of play action. And when they, when you're so committed to stopping the run like they were with Derrick Henry, you're going to get beat on play action. Uh, but I thought on just third downs and uh, plays like that, they did a pretty good job generating pressure. Yeah, I did. I, Remember that last drive uh, when the, the Titans had some momentum building and then you saw Alexander Johnson blitz forced an incompletion? I love that. That was the best call of that series for the defense. More of that. Yep. Uh, well, they did it the, the very next play, and you just got to be a little more creative than doing the exact same uh, blitz back-to-back. Also, Alexander Johnson looked really tired on that rush. I don't know if you noticed that, but uh, on the second play when they yeah, went right yeah. back to that blitz, he, he did not go in with the same force. <laughs> yeah, no, certainly not. 
Number six, Drew looked pretty solid, just a couple of timing issues on deep throws, and sadly, number seven, injury. So I'm so tired of being an injury-ridden team. Uh, yeah, injuries, it's just it's luck, uh, and the Broncos are struck with a little bit of a bad luck right now. Uh, as for Drew, you know, deep throws are very difficult, um, and I realize he was off on them last night, and, and you want to see him hit those, but it's not like quarterbacks across the league are just connecting on deep throws left and right. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is, but most of the, most of the quarterbacks around the league don't often hit deep throws. It's why you're, you know, it's, it's why you don't call it all the time because they're, they're difficult. Yeah. And it, it, you know, Cortland Sutton's his deep ball guy and he didn't have him last night. Drew does need to make a couple of those throws, you know, a couple of touchdowns were, were left out there saying that I'm, not disappointed in the game Drew had. I thought it was still a pretty good game. Understanding that I'm not holding him to Patrick Mahomes' top 10 quarterback type of play out here. Uh, I'm a, he's, he's still, and that was his sixth start last night. So I am grading him on a little different of a scale. And on that scale, I was pleased with the way he played. Yep, that's fair. He wasn't the reason, he wasn't the biggest reason why they lost the game. That's the thing. And when you look at a quarterback, especially one as young as Drew Locke, you want to say, okay, did that guy keep you in it or did that guy potentially lose it for you? And yeah, he had a couple of passes that were nearly picked off, but Drew Locke was a reason why they hung around. So tip of the cap. He, he was fine. Next one from Love Thunder Down Under. Well, beat me. When you rewatch the game, can you really see how we, we were two plays away from putting up 28 points? You can say that of many games, but these moments, moments were so clear, it's uncomfortable to think about. For me, it is why it was so odd to watch. It didn't look or feel like from the offense from 12 months ago at all. They seem more dynamic, more explosive. It's head-shaking how it only ended in 14. The thing that was very apparent to me was that this team didn't need Vaughn or Cortland to win. We didn't need KJ Hamler. They didn't need Phil in the second half. They didn't need AJ Boye in the second half. We had enough depth and talent to win that game. A game against the team that played in the AFC title game last year. Plenty to be happy with and a bad loss in the end. Based off what I saw from Judy, I'm calling it now. He's going over 1,000 this year. If this is the last we see of the drops, the dude will put up 80 to 100 a game. No issue. Can't wait to see it. It's true. Uh, and again, it's, it's probably not the last you'll see of, of Jerry Judy dropping the ball. But you do think that he will learn from the, the very obvious mistakes he made last night, which was just trying to make plays before the ball's in his hands. Um, and, and it's true. He should have had at least 80 if he brings in those two balls. Uh, and that puts him on an easy pace. Even without uh, getting those two balls, he's almost on pace for 1,000 yards this year. Um, and he didn't look like the primary target out there to me just because Cortland Sutton was, was moved out. They kept J Judy in the position that they were going to use him uh, regardless. And, man, does he get open. There was even a couple times Drew missed him when he was open on third down. So, uh, over time, as long as Jerry can keep Drew's ch trust, which I think is a really important thing between the two of them, uh, I think you'll see him just only get better as the season goes on. I agree. But, yeah, just like you said, Ryan, don't expect Jerry Judy to only finish the season with two drops on the year. He's a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. Yep. You just hope it's not two drops a game. That's yes. but, right. but it won't get there because if he's dropping two passes a game, he's going to lose playing time. 
when when Cortland comes back, it'll the, the three wide will be be Cortland will be Cortland and Tim Patrick and maybe Judy and maybe Deshaun Hamilton. So just if he keeps dropping passes, it'll affect it'll affect the use that he has. But I don't think he will. I think he'll be better from that. And he still did, still did some good things. Still had some great routes. Absolutely. God, those routes are just the thing of beauty. <laughs> Money bags McManus, straight to the point here. Number one, does Sutton slash Hamler have the speed to make that catch on the overthrow to Hamilton for a touchdown? Yes. Zach? Yeah, yeah. 100%. Two, someone tell me we don't need to worry about the Judy drops. I think we just did. Mm, uh, you, yeah. It's going to be uh, – uh, I, I don't want to set the expectation that it's not going to happen because it is. Um, yeah. So – it's, you know, you just hope to limit it. I just don't think they'll be as frequent and, and no. hopefully not as costly. He's not going to have 32 drops this year. I guarantee yeah. that. <laughs> Again, he won't play long enough to have 32 drops if he keeps up that rate. Number three, Mr. B. Number four, no replay on a game-changing penalty on the interception. Zach, what did you see up there? Um, it was uh, – wait, you guys didn't get to see the replay? No, they never showed the replay on the broadcast. Okay. I have seen it, though. Yeah, I saw it, too. Um, and I know Vic says it shouldn't be, shouldn't be a penalty, but you know, Tannehill was throwing well away from Derrick Henry there. I mean, it was, it was 35 yards away from, from where the ball was going. It's the very – I mean, to me, it's the very definition of unnecessary roughness. It's not a necessary hit. It, uh, it reminds me of the uh, Domita Pecco hit in the Ravens game, right? Shit, did it affect the play at all? Absolutely not. Was it a stupid thing to do? Yes, it was. Was yeah. it unnecessary roughness? Yes, it was. Is it just a, a stupid – is anyone saying that that should have been a penalty if it wasn't called? No. But in the end, he did it, and it was a penalty, so – it, it's a bummer. You got to be smarter than that. You got to be smarter than that. And like Alexander Johnson said after the game, it sucks. It does. And it was a one in a long line of Bron- the Broncos making mistakes at the most inopportune moments. Um, you know, I, I ran back through these in my head and I just couldn't get over it. Again, this is a game that the Broncos could have lost by double digits. It's also a game that they could have taken control of like the Elvin Gordon fumble, worst possible timing. That penalty, worst possible timing. Uh, you go through some of the, you know, the Jerry Judy drop on first down, worst possible timing. I don't know how they made these mistakes at the worst moment. Someone responded to me on Twitter and they said, is there ever a good time for a mistake? And yes, I think there actually are. You know, if it's uh, first and 10 from the 30 and you've got a lead and you make a mistake there, that's okay, but when you're, when you're from the 50 and you're trying to get into field goal range, it just kills. So you never want mistakes, but, man, the Broncos found a way to just make them at the worst times last night. And over and over and over again. Yep. Next, next one. Wait, no, we got, we got one more oh. point from Money Basman Manis. And number five, Fagio just cashed in those two timeouts for 200 tickets at Chuck E. Cheese for a free small pizza. Wow. Gosh. <laughs> next one from joe Vic Fangio would never go to chuck e cheese though let me just make that clear <laughs> <laughs> joe turner 96 hey fellas i must say after waking up at 3 a.m in the uk i wasn't best pleased watching the game 
But after getting some much-needed caffeine into my system, I was able to look at the positives. Drew Locke looked good outside a couple of wayward deep balls. Fant looked dominant, and Judy looked good despite the drops, which looked like concentration drops more than bad hands. I agree. And, man, that defense looked impressive for the most part. That game showed me that we have a very talented roster on our hands, and if we just eliminate the self-inflicted mistakes and continue to build the chemistry, then I think we can be a good team sooner than people think. All the best, guys. Yeah. Yep, good points. From Schweed, I do admit Drew Locke looks really good and I'm excited for what he can do as a Broncos. But what do you guys take away from multiple people who are overthrown, most notably Jake Butt on the would-be TD and Deshaun Hamilton on the would-be TD? I, I mean, it was I think it was Nick Vanette on the one he's talking about on second down. Uh, that, one, that one hurts more than any. That's the, one, that's the one that I'm actually cool with being critical of Drew Locke on more than the other ones. That one – it's kind of one of those ones that you expect a quarterback like Drew Locke to make. Uh, it's just, you know, those are his specialties. Throwing off his back foot, pressure in your face, wide open uh, receiver. You, make, you just need him to make that play. That one, I'm cool with being critical of Drew Locke. But the overthrows, you know, uh, quarterbacks are taught to throw the ball deeper uh, rather than shallower. Uh, Drew, I remember Drew Locke saying it in one of his early press conferences. He likes to throw it deep and inside, meaning only your receiver is going to get it, and it's not going to take that receiver out of bounds. Um, it's up to the, you know, it, it, you, you want the timing to be a little better. You want them to make those plays. But man, I feel like people are grasping at straws, trying to find something to be critical of Drew of that he just he he missed two deep balls. I actually got to say on that touchdown, the the goal line one to Vanette. And in person, when I was watching it, I thought that was just such an extremely difficult throw. I know he was wide open, but there was pressure in his face, like you said, rolling the opposite way. I, when I saw it in person, I did not think that that, that was really on Drew. Do elite quarterbacks make that throw? Yeah. Again, I'm not saying Drew Locke's elite yet. Yeah, no, and that's just, that's what I'm saying is like, in, the, in Drew Locke's final form, I think he makes that throw. And he, and yeah. he should, if he's going to be the franchise guy. Yeah, yeah, he should make it, but uh, on the Deshaun Hamilton throw, you know what? If KJ Hamler's out there, he probably catches that ball. Yeah, probably. yeah, but that that that's not Deshaun's. It's not like Deshaun ran in with, with when KJ was on the field. No, and and, and, and the Drew, quarterback Drew, has that, yeah. that, you know quarterback Drew needs has to, to be know on his time receiver. with that. Yeah, right. the quarterback yeah. Has, has to know his receivers, but it's it's something where you can see in a different scenario how that that works out the, the thing with the goal line throw to Vanette yeah he's under pressure from Harold Landry but we've seen Drew Locke hit that throw time and again in practice when he's rolling out he's got pressure and he pops it and he pops it up he's able to give the, the receiving target time to get under it and make the play and, and he's open so you can kind of pop it up and let it take its time coming down so I, I'll, I think I'll, that's the that's the one that I think will keep him up at night I'll say this about the Deshaun Hamilton one. I get it. You, you have to know it's Deshaun Hamilton and not KJ Hamler or probably more likely Cortland Sutton, who that play would have been drawn up for, I think. Um, it's just – they probably ran that play, uh, you know, 20 times in training camp, and, and maybe only three of them was Deshaun Hamilton, the receiver. So uh, yeah, that That's weak, though. It's funny how, how you guys are more critical on Drew Miss and the Vanette one. I'm more critical on the other one. I like that. <laughs> Yeah, uh, you, you know, it's probably just a matter of perspective. It, it probably looked a little bit different from your shot uh, in the press box. I'm sure, you know, Deshaun Hamilton looked a lot more open and, and the pressure looked 
uh, more difficult to evade. But uh, either way, I do think people are really digging hard to try and find ways to criticize Drew Locke. And I'm not saying Schweed is, is guilty of that here, but just on Twitter and everything, you know, we're talking about 22-33, a little, you know, 215 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Um, it wasn't fantastic by any stretch of the mind, but if if the ways that you you know you know you could find to criticize him are are a deep ball that he missed, then I think he's doing all right. Exactly, Antonio Acosta. Hey guys, a little bum, but lots of positive. Fant is about to explode this season. Need I say the second coming of Sharp? But the biggest question mark needs to be why does Fangio's defense constantly let the team down at the end of games? Final game losses, dri- final game losing drives cost us the playoffs, and I believe Fangio needs to have the defense ready for this going forward. Thoughts on why his prevent defense is so susceptible to these drives. Now looking forward to the offense with Hamler and Sutton added to the mix. I don't know the answer to that, um, but man, it's true. I mean, I guess if you take the three games they lost on final drives last year and you convert those into wins, that is a 10-win football team we're talking about. Uh, and you're also talking about a 1-0 and football team if they get that play this year. So uh that's another thing that Vic needs to figure out because whatever he's doing late is not working yeah it's funny because as we've been doing this I've started going through some game books uh from last year because I think this may end up being the focal point of my story today today focusing on what the Broncos are doing wrong in these end game scenarios because it's happening over it's happening over and over again I mean this is net you have not only the four games they've lost, but you have two other games where they allowed late drives against the Chargers and Raiders that they could have easily lost. And we even and and I think this may even be bigger than Vic Fangio as well because this was happening in 2017 and 2018 with a lot of the same personnel that was a carryover from the salad days of Super Bowl 50. Interesting. Were there any games last year that the Broncos won based off of getting a stop late in the game when they, when the, you know, uh, we're talking like under two minutes driving one score game? Uh, Cleveland. Now, Cleveland started that drive with 721 left and marched 60 yards, and the Broncos got a fourth down stop to preserve the game. So there's an example of it working out. But you, you know, if you just take like, say, the last 10 minutes of the game, then you'd also include the Minnesota game where the defense let up and allowed the Vikings to quickly march down and take a 27-23 lead. So this, it's just, it's happening in very, in various ways, but you give this defense a lead in the last 10 minutes of, of a game, a one score lead. And with the exception of that game against the Browns, they're not holding on to it. Well, and also, you know, your one Shelby Harris batted pass away from right. adding the Raiders to this list. And then and, I mean, and one boy. penalty, from adding the Charger game to that list, remember the the, the Drew Locke heave to Cortland Sutton that drew the drew the PI after the Chargers had tied it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's interesting. It's it's scary to think about. Mets yeah. Mets Bronco fifty says, "Hey fellas, small rant here, but I'm a firm believer that Broncos fans are some of the best in the league. But man, some need to relax. I go on Twitter, and if you go off comments, I think we lost by thirty. Drew Locke is overhyped. Judy is a waste of a draft pick. Fangio needs to be fired immediately. And it's crazy 
Yes, had some very dumb mistakes on all fronts, and it's frustrating for me too. But this team is so young with an average age of 25 on offense. I'm 26, and you tell me I have to lead one of the most storied franchises in NFL history. I'm going to make some mistakes and probably poop my pants in the process. <laughs> Rough start, but I can say I watched the game and came away with a lot of positives. Get healthy, and I think we can do some special things for a long time. On a personal side note, damn, Drew looked good to me. Relax, Broncos country. Thanks, guys. Rant over. Yeah, uh, I mean, man, I forgot how much football fans hate when their team loses. Uh, like, you know, you see some rough losses here and there from other teams in Denver, and it can be ugly, but boy, oh boy, was was Broncos Twitter and Broncos chat sites and the Discord and anywhere else, that they were dark, dark places last night. People weren't happy at staying up late and waiting through an entire pandemic and not having a preseason, not being able to watch training camp. I think there was a little bit of frustration that we waited all that time for that. Yeah, absolutely. Quickly, some breaking news here. Uh, not necessarily Broncos related, but DNVR Broncos related. Uh, we just announced it uh, on Twitter. We are teaming up with Brandon Perna for a new Broncos podcast. Uh, Brandon is going to host a podcast on the DNVR network, which is going to be really awesome. You'll see us popping onto his show uh, here and there. You'll see him hopping onto our show here and there. Uh, but we're really excited to have him on the team. I know a lot of people who listen to this podcast are big Brandon Perna fans, just like we are. Uh, so get excited for that. I know the first episode or maybe even the first couple episodes will be dropped in this feed too, so you can give it, uh, give it a chance. But uh, an, an official welcome to Perna, to the DNVR family. Yes, welcome. A very good friend of the show. We love Brandon and what he brings. Man, that's, I'm so pumped to have him on board. All right, from Broncos Squared, Gostowski missing those kicks was a gift from the football gods. How much different would you guys have felt about this game had it been 24 to 14 or whatever the score had been if he made those kicks? I think it would have felt like a completely different game if those had gone through, which doesn't make me feel great. But Judge Judy, the Duke of Jukes, oh, I like that, looks special. Drops aside, of course, sorry, lost my spot. Butler was literally frozen on Judy's first catch. Yeah, yeah, he, he's, he's so good with those routes, and I'm happy that you guys were able to see that. Is that something we've been seeing throughout camp? Uh, in terms of if Goskowski had made those kicks, it would have been 26-14 to 14 on a personal level. Vic Fangio may be feeling a little bit better because then it wouldn't have mattered about timeouts at the end of the game. Honestly, yeah. I think the whole – you know, you can never know what would happen in a game like that, but probably the Broncos' offense might be a little more aggressive – Maybe it comes down to the Broncos' offense driving late in a game with a chance to win, uh, and maybe we're talking about something completely different because Drew Locke pulls off a, a last-minute comeback drive the same way that the, that the Titans ended up doing to the Broncos. Yeah, I think, or maybe I think the Broncos still lose, but maybe we look and say, wow, Drew Locke th threw for over 300 yards at a couple of touchdowns. <laughs> yeah, perspective is a funny thing. Yeah. By the For way, the one, but one thing, talking about how – uh, Butler was frozen when he when Judy caught the ball. The the precision with which he cuts and the ability to get guys caught off guard. I'm wondering if we're going to see defenders start to play Jerry Judy with a cushion, knowing that he's going to to do that. That you can't that you can't get up close to him. You can't you can't juke him at the line. You've got you've got to let him kind of run his routes and not get 
and not get caught up in the dekes. And this is going to lead to some open to some open lanes underneath for Jerry Judy. It opens up a horizon of possibilities for him. Well, yeah, I was going to say, and then you just you got to capitalize on that and do some quick screens. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, woulda, coulda, shoulda, I think, uh, as we go through here. And if you don't go to dnvrgolf.com and download the WG app to there, you'll probably be saying woulda, coulda, shoulda as well after you miss out on our weekly tournaments that we do on WGT. They're so much fun. Uh, all you got to do is go to dnvrgolf.com, download the WGT app, and then when you get in there, go into country clubs and find DNVR3. That's no spaces, DNVR number three. Get in on there, and you'll see it when it comes in. If you want, you can have email notifications or phone notifications set up for when the tournament drops. You have usually 24 hours to play the tournament, uh, you know, win some cool prizes and all those good things so dnvrgolf.com to download wgt one thing you definitely don't want to be saying woulda coulda shoulda with is your teeth and taking care of them and that's why you need to head over to green mountain dental group in lakewood right now they're only a 15 minute drive from downtown denver and just make sure that you take care of your teeth so that you're not saying i woulda coulda shoulda gone to the dentist just go to them right now they are awesome. They treat you like family. They send you birthday cards. And when you go there, you also get to talk sports with them because they are a longtime DNBR partner and diehard Colorado sports fans, just like all of you. And on top of that, schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. So woulda, coulda, shoulda, visit Green Mountain Dental. Schedule that cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Pig Tosser 66 trying really hard not to overreact, but is Fangio looking like a North Turner? Great football mind, elite coordinator, horrible head coach. Watching the clock run down with all those timeouts was brutal. Can't help but think what could have been with 30 more seconds on the clock. Sutton being out really hurt. His chemistry with Drew was missed on those deep passes. I was actually impressed with Drew's accuracy on the intermediate throws. Time for Judy has spent as much time on his hands as he does his feet. But overall, I'm excited to see this offense develop because we have some serious talent out there at full strength. The North comparison is an interesting one. Um, although, I mean, North did have his share of success. He couldn't, couldn't ever get teams over the hump. He got Washington to the divisional round, couldn't get them any further. Got the Chargers to the AFC Championship game. They lost the Patriots. They were a perennial playoff team, couldn't quite to, couldn't quite get over the hump but there I think there is something to be said that you know sometimes coaches when they go from being the assistant to being the head coach there there's a struggle in terms of uh, the game management big picture type stuff and uh, some guys grow and get it and some guys don't well let's say that in, in a couple of years we're talking about Vic Fangio not yeah. working out in Denver I'm, I'm touching wood uh the the thing that I will look back and I think a lot of people will look back and say is Chicago knew him better than anyone else. And they decided not to hire him to be the head coach. They, they went outside the organization and hired Matt Nagy, despite Vic Fangio being on the coaching staff. That should have told you something. Now, now, now uh, you know, if Vic succeeds here, well, then Vic took a step that the Bears didn't think he was going to be able to. Uh, yeah. So that, that's the way I think that's the thing that people will look back and say. And the other thing I think also, though, with Vic Fangio back then is coming off of three straight losing seasons under John Fox, Vic 
pick, as much of a wizard as he is, that was going to be a, a non-starter for a lot of Bears fans. They, I don't think they could have sold the defensive coordinator of the team in three years of struggle to, the, to their fans as a viable hire when they brought in Matt Nagy. Fair. Otis Lockweather says, my boys, I won't take too much time over your time. A little disappointed in how the game ended, but I thought Ojemudia looked good. Fant is a freak of nature, and Judy is a lot of fun. Just needs to tighten it up a bit. It's only his first game. Overall, I was pleased. Wish we could have gotten the dub. Take it easy, guys. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, Ojemudia, big-time helmet sticker for him. And honestly, a uh, helmet sticker just in, uh, as a whole to the University of Iowa Fant, Ojibudia, Jewel, all looked good out there. So, uh, good job. I was actually hanging out uh, with uh, Big Drive Spence and his family, who are Iowa fans. So, they were they were stoked about the Iowa boys. Uh, Ojibudia in the 23 jersey, though, out there, looks nice. Yeah, it does look nice. And, man, Josie Jewel just steamrolling Derrick Henry. That was, uh, that was not something I was expecting in last night's game. Like – Maybe just like a a little bit more force, and I might have tweeted something about shades of Steve Atwater, but just al- almost there, just not quite, just not quite. <laughs> Bangkok uh, also. Oh, just quickly, uh, Judy. You know, watching him with the ball in his hands last night reminded me of a young Brandon Marshall. Uh, when 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 B Marsh got the ball in his hands, you just never knew it was going to happen. Uh, and I I love that new dynamic with Judy. Like he gets the ball, and the defense starts to panic a little bit because they feel like they're going to get put on a poster. <laughs> yes, and man, was that step back just incredible last night? It's so good. Even I mean, go back and watch the play at the end of the first half. He let he. Uh, just left some dude's ankles there on the field as the, the rest of the team went in for halftime. This dude's just just collapsed. <laughs> Bangkok Bronco says, hi, Jens. Great strategy by this team for using every single mistake you will make in a season all in the first <laughs> game. Flawless football is on its way, as is a 15-1 and record. Double B is out. I cannot wait for 15 games of flawless football. Well, then shouldn't it be uh, 18 games? Could be. Could be. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll take one game of flawless football. Let's, let's start small and build from there. I'm not going to say they're going to have to play flawless to beat the, the, the Steelers, but they're going to have to have a flawless game plan. I'm really, really confident that they, they are going to have to come up with ways to get that defense on their heels because, my goodness, they just came downhill on the Giants all day long. Uh, that It'll be a rough watch if they don't figure out a way to get them moving backwards. And also, they need to – obviously, Ben Roethlisberger is not mobile. He does re- respond well to pressure. But you have Mike Munchak, who knows a hell of a lot about those Steelers offensive linemen. So, you want Mike Munchak talking to Jarrell Casey, Shelby Harris, Mike Purcell giving them every bit of intel on the Steelers front front quintet, helping them find ways to pick the lock that protected Roethlisberger last night. And the Steelers, uh, it looks like, lost their right tackle for the season last night, which is unfortunate for him and for them, um, but potentially good news for the Broncos next week. Big Ben, 
Mm-hmm. I'm not kidding. I think he might be slower than Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, way more difficult to take down than Tom. Yes. Yeah. But, like, he was moving around, and I put that in parentheses because he wasn't really moving around, but he was just, like, trying to get away from pressure one time. And I've nev- I don't know if I've ever seen a quarterback move that slow in my life. Yeah, it's like, I mean, his acceleration is, what, a two? Yeah, it's <laughs> unbelievable. And he actually did end up running for a first down at one point in the game. Um, once, you know, once he gets rolling, I think he's a little bit faster than Brady, but from like zero to, to seven, which I think is his max speed, um, it, it is unbelievable how slow it is. He's like a big train, but you know, it just takes a long time to get rolling, but that's tough to slow down. True. Very true. <laughs> Next one here is from LA Bronco 30 greetings pod gods. I haven't finished the episode, but wanted to get my comment in time. I hope it's covered, but in case it's not, here's a silver lining while watching. Is it me or was the punting really good? I feel like Martin could punt from one end zone to the other if needed. Let us know if I'm missing something or if uh, really see this as a strong improvement over last year. Heartbreaking loss. But with everything they have, they have lost before the game, I had modest hopes at best anyway. Best of luck to our Broncos in the upcoming even tougher slate of games. The punting was freaking awesome. When you need a blast, you got a blast. When you needed a a placement punt, you got a placement punt. He uh, was flawless last night in terms of what he was asked to do. And the coverage was good as well. There was that one punt that he had. You had Malik Reed and Jacob Bobenmoyer right down there in Khalif Raymond's Raymond's face to be able to to give him nowhere to run. So just uh, helmet stickers for a lot of guys on the punt team, starting with Sam Martin. Sam Martin was awesome. It was great. I mean, it was like refreshing. I don't remember the last time I saw a Broncos punter have a good game. Man, how nice was it to just watch a punter punt to the right? So refreshing. <laughs> great, great on the eyes. Love a good punt to the right. <laughs> next next Windy one. City Bronco. Go ahead. No, you got it. Okay, I got it. Uh, if it's true that 2020 is about proving Drew Locke is the guy, this game was a win. He looked great out there and particularly on that touchdown throw to Fant when he was directing traffic like a vet. Yes, he's got some timing to iron out, but even the great Peyton Manning took a few games to get used to a new offense with new players. Most frustrating part is Fangio's clock management at the end was uh, that I really think Locke could have won the game given a chance. Even the best quarterbacks aren't going to get it done with that little time. If you throw another 30 seconds on the clock, that last drive gets a lot more interesting. Overall, it was a sloppy game. I saw a ton of promise for what's to come. It's so true. I hadn't even really thought of the Drew Locke perspective as he's watching the, the time tick off the clock. I can't even imagine what was going through his hand. His hand. Oh, yeah, it just got to be absolutely infuriating. And Mike Rabel, after the game, guys, said, yeah, well, they, they thought that Guskowski was going to miss the kick. That's why they didn't take any timeouts. That just – it seemed like everyone – on the field, thought he was going to miss the kick. Yet you had Jarrell Casey saying, oh, definitely, easy, he was going to miss it. Anyone not on the Broncos sideline think he was going to miss it? I just no. thought it was automatic. There was no way he was going 0 for 5. No. Or 0 for 4 on field goals. Well, he hit one, yeah, because he hit one PAT. So there was yeah. no way he was going to miss a fifth kick. No. I mean, what do you think when he missed that PAT? That was, I mean, come on. I, I thought this is in his head. And, and every kicker will tell you that the mental aspect is huge. I mean, how many times did I hear Jason Elam and then when I was in Carolina, John Casey, that compared kicking to putting? Mm-hmm. 
and it's about the stroke and how how one misfire can kind of can kind of start playing tricks with your mind a little bit. And so you've got to be strong mentally. I think the shocking thing was that Guskowski, after an early miss, kept on missing because he's somebody who is one of those mentally strong kickers who doesn't who do, who doesn't get thrown off by a miss. And that, that's why it was just kind of stunning to see him have literally the worst game of his career. And then, in the words of uh, Harry Dunn to Lloyd Christmas, totally redeem yourself. Yeah, he certainly, certainly did. Really quick, if you're the Titans, do you cut him? No. No. <laughs> do, you cut him, do you cut him if he misses the fifth one? Yes. <laughs> Pretty they've important got ki- kick. They've got a kicker on their practice squad, so they have somebody in the wings. But The problem is he's a yeah. vested veteran, meaning – no matter what, if you cut him, you, you, his entire salary for this season is guaranteed. Uh, and based on how long he's been in the league, I bet that salary is pretty darn high. Maybe he didn't want to play this year. So the first four kicks, he was just blowing it to try to get cut. And then at the end, he's like, okay, if, they're re- if they really want to win this game that bad, I guess I'll make this one. He's like, all right, I don't want to blow my entire reputation. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Count he, start, he started the game as the fifth most accurate kicker in NFL history. He ended the game as the ninth most accurate no kicker. Way. Oh man, that's brutal. And by the way, his cap number is two point six two five million. So, I mean, it's it's, Would, can it's you not imagine? changing the it's not changing the cushions for this guy. Could you imagine if he missed the last one and you 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 cut him, um, and you paid him two point two million dollars to go one of six? kicking yeah. field goals in a game and be the literal reason that you lost. If that's the case, then you're not putting him on the team plane. Now, maybe you're having him fly home on the owner's plane, but you're not putting that poor guy on the team plane. Are you having the owner's plane go somewhere else too. It's not going back to Tennessee. Oh, man. <laughs> Count Lockula. It still doesn't feel like they have taken the training wheels off the playbook, playbook for Glock at times. When they do, it seems like he pops wheelies and catches air, and then they rein him in and he gets out of rhythm. I love a lot of what I saw yesterday. I do not, however, love the way in which the game plan slash game calls seem to go against Drew's swag and mojo and flow. Vic, don't kill my vibe. Vic, don't kill my vibe. Love the count. <laughs> uh, Vic, don't kill my vibe. That's a good, that's a good jam. <laughs> Definitely did yesterday. Let's get Drew running because he looks so good when he was moving. Let, let's do that more often. I agree. From Michow. Hey, fellas, since Fangio's first press conference last season, he talked about death by inches. Ooh, interesting to bring that up. This team has basically died by inches in six of the ten losses under Uncle Vic, including last night, with he himself contributing to the maladies? Maladies. Yep. At the end of the game. If the Broncos go 0-3 to start the season, which is a reasonable prediction, is Vic on the hot seat? Perhaps he is already on the hot seat. On a positive note, Drew ain't the problem. Looks like he might be the solution. And seems like the O-line plays head and shoulders better in front of him. Thanks for reading. No, Drew is not – or Vic is not on the hot seat if this team goes 0-3. Um, now, if they go 0-6, 0-8, then, then uh, maybe. Oh, but, if they're, uh, dude, if they're bro, 0-6 and 0-8 – Yeah, if they're 0-6 or 0-8, the hot seat doesn't stop at Vic. Yeah. I'm on the hot seat. I'm putting myself on the hot seat. Was man, I don't want to say this, but was last night's game the easiest of the first three? No. Let's see you, where you t- like let's Tampa see where the Bay? 
Let's see where yep. the Bucks are in week three because the, the timing, as we saw in week one, was a little bit off. And also, if they can't get Mike Evans back to full health, it really constricts some of the things that the, that the Bucks want to do offensively, even though they have all those other targets. Basically, getting very little out of Mike Evans, one catch for two yards, it was a touchdown. But having him be invisible doesn't do Tom Brady any favors, especially okay. with Rob, Rob Gronkowski still clearly – working his way back into rhythm. He was off kilter on Sunday, too. If they lose game four and they've already lost the first three, then it's bad. And I don't think Vic's on the hot seat then even, but that's going to show you where this team's at because game four, the level of competition compared to the first three games falls off a cliff when you go. And now it is a short week. It is against the Jets in New York, but the Jets are terrible are terrible. And these first three teams could very well be playoff teams. I think there's a good chance the Jets are the worst team on the schedule. And I don't care Thursday night, cross-country trip, whatever. If you can't beat the Jets, then this is going to be another long season. You know what I was thinking about? Uh, And it would probably be impossible to look this up. But I think the Broncos – might have the shortest turnaround this week uh, ever for a team that didn't play in the Thursday night game. You mean because they late Monday yeah. night and then – Early and, Sunday. And early Sunday. Well, because um, in, in 2011 they had the late Monday game, but then they were at home in week two. So they played in the late yeah. afternoon window. In 2017 – played the Chargers the late Monday night game, and then turned around and played at home against the Cowboys in week two, and that too was a late late afternoon game. And the same thing last year. So, you know what? We'll, have to, we'll probably have to look this up. Maybe the Cardinals or somebody like that have to have, a, have this scenario, but you may have a point. That's yeah. tough. That's tough. At least, I mean, less time for us to have to – Continue talking about timeouts, hopefully. <laughs> exactly. Next one coming in from Avs Watch 22. Hey, DNBR Broncos crew. Thanks for sacrificing last night for us to stay up and recap the game. You guys touched on a couple of game-deciding moments last night, and I'd like to throw another one out. Michael Ojemudia's gorgeous diving pick that got called back. After this game, I'm not sure how we'll fare against the Steelers. So, how do they get it done against Mace's Bucks Week 3 with fans in the stands? Thank you, gents. Go DNV Army and go Broncos. Here's how they get it done against the Bucks. First of all, Pressure. enough promising things on the offensive side to where you get if you have Cortland Sutton back by, by then, maybe you've got Philip Lindsay as well, but you're, you're feeling confident against the Bucks defense that struggled in, in Week 1 that – is still still having some issues on the back end. You feel pretty confident that you can maybe get 24 to 27 points against the Bucks, And then, did I hear you say pressure on Tom Brady? Mm-hmm. Okay. Because he can't move. He is, nope. he is the Statue of Liberty back there. He's I'm, planted in the base. I'm going a little different yeah. route. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that Tom Brady calls up his good friend, Steven Goskowski, for uh, the Tampa Bay Bucks to sign him and bring him back to Denver one more time. Why do they need that? The Bucks have had bad kicking for years without having to bring in Goskowski. I mean, the, the Bucks and Titans the last couple of years are where kickers go to die. Yeah. 
Well, then Goskowski really needs to go to uh, Tampa Bay to make it official. No, no, man. Third James Radio. Ah, guys, you got to love the, le- the week one overreactions. Without four starters, with four rookies playing a considerable amount of snaps, this team took a team that came close to winning the AFC Championship last year to the wire and probably should have won. All in all, there are many positives out there last night. I'm more excited for what's to come. Now, as an homage to the great Colin Vermullins, I wrote a haiku on last night's game. That P.I. call was trash. Fans' second-half involvement was borderline criminal. Garrett Bowles was unnoticeable. Great. <laughs> sounds just like a Colin for Mullins one. Speaking of which, a Colin, Colin for Mullins, we, uh, we heard from you one time in the offseason. Where are you? Or are you only coming through after it done? We miss you. <laughs> Andy Reid's burner account comes in and says, guys, how would you rate Callahan's play? I notice he is being challenged more than the rookie. Is he worth his contract? Side note, the clock management was so bad. My six-year-old daughter said call a timeout multiple times on the last drive by the Titans. One last question. With two seconds left at our own 43, you opt for a hook and ladder, but then that, but at that point, just tell McManus, kick the bloody piss out of it and pray for a miracle. Do you agree? I mean, let him kick a 65-yarder in Houston last year. Why not try a 73 at altitude? Mm. Maybe that drive was lo- that drive was probably lost on the, with the first incompletion because may, what the Broncos should have been thinking in terms of on that series with the timeouts that they still had because they hadn't used them is they should have been thinking two 17-yard passes down the middle to set up a, a, about a 58, 59-yard attempt. Hey, you had the timeouts to do that. Right. You sure freaking did. Yeah. I, I, oh, God, I hated that, too. I hated, like, as soon as I saw Drew scrambling out of the pocket looking way downfield, I was like, what are you doing? No. Yeah. How did you not just run Noah Fant, who was, you know, couldn't get a damn touch, have him run a, just a hook right over the middle of the field, throw it to him, hit the ground, timeout, do it again, timeout, 60-yard field goal. Shouldn't Fangio have been, have been uh, so proud to tell Drew – I got you two timeouts, man. Here, all right, no, I got you three timeouts. Here you go. Uh, the pass almost got through on the first one. It was also almost intercepted. But if if that would have gotten through, that would have been crazy. Yeah. <sighs> oh boy. See Fillmore seventy two. Dear mighty three, greetings from the UK. A late one for you and an early hours of the morning jaunt for us. But it's the opening game. Had to be done. I want to focus on the front of the defense. I thought the interior uh, line was excellent, allowing precious little penetration for the Titans' run game between the tackles and batting down some passes. Inside linebacker Jewel and Johnson worked well in tandem. They made their tackles. Jewel's tackle on Henry in the backfield was a peach uh, and read the plays pretty well. But where was the pass rush? Just one sack and Bradley Chubb was anonymous. What do you make of it? Well, I we've kind of touched on this already, but – Man, it seemed like Bradley just threw his best out there. Was it the first series? Maybe the first or second yeah. series? Is I don't think he was anonymous in, the, in a non-factor. He was out there uh, and making plays those two series. But then after that, he was gone. And that's what you're going to have with Bradley Chubb coming back. Vic Fangio ha- has been the most honest about this of anyone, saying that it's going to take Bradley Chubb time to come back. Well, that's why I'm playing him sparingly at the beginning of the game so that he can have those impact plays at the end. I would like the Broncos to handle Bradley Chubb differently. He played 70% of the snaps. I want Bradley out there so that the Titans or the Steelers 
can't can't lead that game winning drive because Bradley Chubb is a force, not forcing him to punt uh, in the first half. Good point. Mm -hmm. Last one, attack parrot. Just want to make some observations. The good. Did anyone else see Fant completely holding his own blocking Clowney late in the game? Did a double take as I was halfway convinced it was an OL there. If he can be a good blocker, yowza. He can be a good blocker. He's extremely capable, and he showed flashes of it in college and last season. Uh, Noah Fant's going to be a really good player in this league. Yep, without a doubt. Notably, though, he did not have to track any passes in the air last night. Just, I want to see him do it. I, you know, I, I just want to see him do it. Do you want to see him do it, or do you just want to have him never put in that position? Well, heck, if you're going to have him coming across the face of the quarterback and making plays, I don't care. But I just, I, I've been told that they think they have it fixed, so I want to see if, if it is. Yeah, uh, he goes, I get that. He goes on, Judy, you make my knees hurt just watching you cut like that. Wow, I wonder if the Titans DL was feeling sad last night that Garrett didn't hold them as tightly as normal. <laughs> PSA, in the time of COVID, we should all seek to be held by our loved ones with at least the same type of frequency of Mr. Bowles last year. Maybe he's saving all of his love for the fam, which would be awesome as a Broncos fan. Why are we, why are we <laughs> taking the, the man can't have one day where he doesn't get ragged on after a good game? <laughs> <laughs> he just keeps going, too. I know, God. <laughs> Not so good. Fant is good. Pat, I hear he also was able to catch balls in the second half of games, too. Something to check out. Drew, probably a little amped up explaining the overthrows. Offense in general looked like a team that hasn't played against anyone except their own defense in 10 months. I'm expecting this sort of resolve to sort of resolve itself as they continue to develop their timing. I agree. This is going to be something that's going to take some time. And at the end of the day, this is a development year for the offense. Now, you could have a development year and still make the playoffs. You can have a development year and go 10 and 6, 9 and 7, but that's what this year will be in the long run. So I'm not saying expect a bad year as they develop, but that's what it's going to be, and you hope that they progress as the year goes on. Yeah, and you know they were better at the end last year than they were at the beginning. Putting Drew Locke in had a ton to do with that, obviously, but you want them to be better at the end this year than than they were at the start than they were last night. The problem is you also hope that they didn't regress at some point in the off season. You want that progress to be continuous and building off the of previous year, and uh, and that's where you kind of get concerned. So, is another season where you go say seven and nine, but grow during that year, is that acceptable? Hmm. God, I hate thinking about that. But probably yes. Okay. I mean, it's, it, to me, it's acceptable if one thing happens. You find out that Drew Locke's the guy. And right. I'd, honestly, I, long term, I'd rather have a season where you find out that Drew Locke is your quarterback for the next 10 years and go 7-9 and nine, than go 9-7 and seven, and you still have all the same questions about quarterback that you had before. Gosh, just what's tough about wanting to accept that, yes, if you find out you have a quarterback, you obviously mm-hmm. accept that. But what's tough is that just means if you find out Drew Locke is the guy and you are confident about it, it means the offense was good at least at some point. Uh, it, pretty good throughout the whole season. If you feel good about that, well, then what the heck happened with the defense if you're going you prob- seven and nine? Probably injuries. We've already seen one. We've already seen two. one big one. Yeah, or two. And AJ Boye, depending on how long he's out, that that's what that's what likely went wrong for the defensive side of the ball. 
I'm starting to be convinced that the Vic Fangio defense doesn't really need quarter cornerbacks. Like just put anyone out there and, and they'll find a way to succeed in this defense. Yeah. And let, or uh, saying Bassey and uh, Michael Ojemudi are the truth. Well, they are, I think, but uh, you know, last year it was Devonte Harris. You just threw him in and he had good games. I think he had two good games before one bad game. Um, you know, Devonte Bosby stepped in, uh, which I hope he's the one who gets the call. Uh, if AJ boy, you can't go. Um, it just feels like this defense is plug and play when it comes to corners. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll, that depth will be tested. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam at green mountain dental group, the best damn dental group in the Metro area, you'll get a free Sonicare toothbrush tag them and tag us when you go there and show them how this community can support our biggest supporters. Talk about how awesome your Sonicare toothbrush is when you get it. And I'll tell you, mine is awesome. Uh, but you got to go and schedule your cleaning x-ray and exam from Son- uh, from Green Mountain Dental Group to get that free Sonicare toothbrush. It's only 15 minutes from downtown, so go check them out. They're great Denver sports fans, just like you are, and they're great dentists as well. Uh, but for today, boys, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, we will, of course be back tomorrow with plenty of more Broncos talk uh, an interesting start to the season let's hope they, uh, they, they turn things around quick but for now it's going to wrap it up we'll talk to you guys later